Hey, this is Pastor Keenan. Thank you so much for taking time to listen to our Young Adult Podcast. I know you're gonna be blessed because you are choosing to make listening to God's word a priority today. And if you are blessed by this episode, would you consider sharing it with some of your friends? You never know how God could use it in their lives. Well, hey, here comes the sermon. So lean in because God's getting ready to speak to you. I love you. Matthew 6, 34. Um, I'm going to read this out of the message version. I just think this is powerful. And then I want this to be the launching pad uh, for what God is going to say tonight. If you don't have a Bible, just look at the screen. This is the message version. It says this. Give, listen to this. Give your entire attention to what God is doing right now. Give your entire attention to what God is doing Right now, I just think that's some really good advice for when you're in church. I think that's great life advice, period. And we may talk, we're gonna talk about that some later on this evening. But I think some of the best advice I could give you right this second is to write this second, give God your entire attention. It says, give God your entire, give your entire attention to what God is doing right now. And don't get worked up about what may or may not happen tomorrow. Listen to this. God will help you deal with whatever hard things come up when the time comes. God will help you deal with whatever hard things come up when the time comes. And tonight, if you're a note taker, which I'm a note taker, I think note takers get brownie points in heaven. I don't have any Bible to back that up, okay? That's just me. It's kind of what I'm hoping, hoping I'm getting something for these notes. Um, But if you are a note taker, uh, I'm going to preach a message that I'm simply calling this. Don't blow it off. Don't blow it off. That's the title of my message tonight is don't blow it off. And I'm really believing that that over the next couple of moments, God is going to be able, God is going to transcend my ability to preach. He's going to transcend your ability to listen, and he's going to meet you right where you're at. But the good news is, is that anytime God meets you right where you're at, he never leaves you there. He never leaves you there. He always takes you. The Bible says as he leads me beside the still waters, he makes me lie down in green pastures, I know some of you thought all you are deserving of is back roads. I'm here to tell you it's not about what you deserve. It's not about what you deserve. God only rolls in green pastures. God likes the still waters, and that's where God wants to lead your life if you will let him meet you wherever your life is at tonight. Is that cool? Don't blow it off. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I just thank you right now. Lord, I thank you for the next couple moments that we're going to share just coming around your word. Lord, your story. Lord, I thank you that you don't just speak words, but you are the word. And Lord, I pray that the person of Jesus, who is the word made flesh, I pray that that person would meet us in this unique time and space. Lord, I thank you. I just speak right now over somebody that they are going to be able to look back in the history in the catalog, in the archive of their life, and they're going to say, that night my life was changed. I'm so glad I went to church that night because God met me right then and there and I've never been the same. I may have had my ups, I may have had my downs, but I've never been the same. I just speak that over somebody in here tonight who would dare to latch on to that. Lord, I just thank you that you're gonna do exceedingly abundantly above all I could have prepped or imagined or prayed or asked you to do. Lord, put me on like a glove tonight and go to work. And it's in the mighty name of Jesus I pray and everybody gave me a Texas, amen. Come on, amen. Hey, I got a question. Have you ever, have you ever had an issue and the way you handled the issue made things worse? Have you ever had a problem and the way you handled the problem 
gave you more problems, okay? I got 99 problems and I'm all 99 of them. You ever been there? Okay. I've made, uh, I, 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 I've gotten myself into some, some moments, but I'm going to tell you a story. I'm going to tell you a story tonight um, about a moment um, that I'm actually pretty ashamed of, if I'm being honest with you. I'm pretty ashamed of um, because um, I'm about to prove to you there have been moments in my life, my wife could probably tell you many moments in my life where I did not use my brain, okay? Didn't use my brain. And uh, that's one thing you need to know about Jesus is he does not ask you to check your brain at the door. I think there's a lot of people who believe that about God, that in order to, to have faith, you've got to, some, for some reason, check your intellect at the door. And I just want to let you know right now, God's big enough to handle your little intellect, Okay? <laughs> He's plenty big to handle. I don't care where you fall, okay, on, on, on the IQ scale. God is plenty big to handle your intellect. But there was one time I did, I did not use my brain, okay? And I, for some of you who don't know my story, um, I grew up in church, and I've been on staff here at Celebration Church for, we ju I just celebrated six years of being on staff, six years. And we just celebrated six years of doing young adults, man. Pretty crazy, We've been at this for six years, and uh, I had just graduated, in 2015, I had just graduated from Bible school. I went to a school called Christ for the Nations, and it was in Dallas, Texas. It is in Dallas, and I, I graduated from there, and I moved home, and, uh, which is San Angelo, and uh, it wasn't long. I was serving in the church, and our, our board as a church was like, hey, we want to hire Keenan, and we're going to make him the janitor slash pastor in training, okay? That was my official title janitor slash pastor in training. And then a, a, a couple years into it, it evolved into janitor slash young adult pastor. And now it is just young adult pastor. Okay. <laughs> Praise the Lord. So needless to say, six years ago, we were in that first stage of janitor slash pastor in training. And uh, back then, our building did not look anything like this, okay? It did not. It was, it was nasty, okay? It had been vacant for a long time. Um, if you don't realize, you're sitting in what used to be an Ashley Furniture Store, okay? This is what this used to be. So some of you are like, I'm not holy enough to come in here. Are you kidding me? This used to be a furniture store, okay? <laughs> it's still the same walls, all right? Uh, for the most part, anyway. So I remember... We officed downtown, and my job was to be up here working on, the, working on the facility. And my wife is probably laughing at that, okay? Because I don't have a handy bone in my body, okay? I, like, seriously, like, the, the, the most manly thing I probably know how to operate is, like, WD-40, okay? <laughs> is it true or is it a lie? It's a lie? Okay, maybe I'm, like, going over the top. Maybe I'm going over the top. Okay, I know a few things. I know a few things, Okay. And uh, so I, I'm sitting here and I'm, I'm working on the church and uh, we, we, we had this guy who wanted to volunteer his time. So it's just me and this dude up here all day, every day. Pastor Brandon, our senior pastor, is downtown at our offices and we had all of these walls. Now, obviously these walls that you're in right now go all the way to the ceiling, but back then the walls did not go all the way to the ceiling. So what would happen is we had these little partitions, right? They were like 10 feet high and they were like faux walls, right? They were fake walls. And that was from the furniture store. And so my job and this dude's job was we were supposed to go in and take all of those walls out. That's what we were doing. So we were going through the church and he had a chainsaw, which I love a good chainsaw, but I, I did not operate it just to, just to make that clear. I did not operate it. So I had a, we had a chainsaw and we would go up to the wall and we would cut it right at the seam and then we'd push the wall over, right? And so once we pushed it over and these are thick walls, like they may have been fake walls, but they are thick, okay? And so we're sitting there and we're taking and dismantling these walls. Like we're, we're ripping them apart and hauling them out of the building. And naturally we make a massive mess, right? There's sheetrock everywhere, right? 
So there's a huge mess, sheetrock all in the carpet. And I remember my, my dad, who's our senior pastor, he came one day. I'm 20 years old, 21 years old. I'm 26 now. I'm just out myself. And he came in and he said, um, I want you to get all the sheetrock dust out of the carpet. That's what I want you to do. I want you to pull all the sheetrock dust out of the carpet. I was like, okay, that's fine. So he gave me this, this rinky-dink vacuum, right? And so he leaves and I start going to town, right? I'm going to town on, on, the, on this carpet and I'm going and the, the stuff is not coming out. Like it is embedded into this carpet. And so I'm sitting there like, yo, it's going to look like I did no work at all today, which was kind of typical. Okay. So it's going to look like I did nothing. Okay. And so all of a sudden I began to brainstorm. And again, by brainstorm, I mean, check my brain, like literally just completely dismissed that I had one. Um, I began to think, how can I get this dust out of the carpet? And so all of a sudden I remembered, I, as God is my witness, like this is proof that I have grown. I cannot vouch for why I made this decision. Like I'm being dead serious. I have no idea why I chose to do this, okay? But I found a leaf blower. <laughs> I found a, I knew you were gonna look at me like that, babe. I, so I didn't tell her the story beforehand. I found a leaf blower in the church and I was like, maybe this will work, right? I was like, maybe this will work. So I got the leaf blower and I started at the <laughs> front of the church and I sit there and I fire it up and it's, you know, and it's going and I'm just blowing the dust out of the carpet and it's working. The dust is leaving the carpet, but all of a sudden there's this huge dust cloud in the middle of the church. Like seriously, you'd have thought the presence was super thick at our facility. You're like, man, God's doing something over there. <laughs> it's not, it's just Keenan being an idiot, right? So I'm blowing this, <laughs> oh my, I'm sorry. I knew this was gonna out me. I'm blowing this dust. If God can work with me, he can work with you. Come on, somebody. I'm up here to tell my testimony and shame the devil, all right? God never leave me, even though you probably will after this message, all right? So I'm sitting there, I'm blowing the dust out of this carpet. It's getting everywhere. And all of a sudden, a little while later, I didn't catch on that this was like a bad thing for whatever reason. Pastor Brandon comes in and he says, what are you doing? I said, I'm, I'm, I'm working on getting the dust out of the carpet. This is, this is like expediting the process. He said, you're getting the dust out of the carpet for sure, but you're getting it onto everything else. Like literally every flat surface, even semi-flat surface was now coated in a thin layer of, of, of sheetrock dust. And Pastor Brandon and I were talking about this story earlier today, and we went into some crevices in our church that haven't been touched since then because there's no reason for us to touch them. And sure enough, there is still sheetrock dust. Today, six years later, there is still sheetrock dust up in this facility somewhere because of that dumb decision I made all that time ago. And what I want you to understand is, though I got the dust away from the place I wanted it, by blowing the dust away, all I did was allow it to settle in a new place. All I did by blowing the dust, by just simply getting the dust off the place I wanted to sp find spick and span, all I did was make the rest of the place a little bit messier. And what I want you to understand tonight is that blowing off today only makes tomorrow messier. Blowing off today only makes tomorrow messier. There's so many of us, and I, I, can I just be real? I know this may feel like you're like, oh, that's me. It's been me too. But in a spiritual sense, all of a sudden, I know it's time for my life to get a quick cleanup, and I just kind of start blowing the dust off surfaces instead of dealing 
with the dust. And there are some of you, you're going through life just simply blowing the dust off here, blowing the dust off there, instead of actually getting rid of the dust. The problem with my, me- with my method was that there was no place for the dust to go. I was in a closed-in facility that kept the door shut. The roof is sealed tight. There's no place for the dust to go. It stayed right there. It was just in a new spot. And what I want to encourage you tonight is stop blowing it off. Stop blowing it off. I'm telling you, there's some nooks, crannies, pockets, corners, and crevices of your heart that God is saying, hey, I'm, I'm ready to deal with that. I'm ready to deal with that thing. That thing that's been plaguing you, that thing I've been talking to you about over and over and over, I'm actually ready to deal with it. And for so many of us, we go day by day by day, just blowing it off, blowing it off. Obviously, this is a double entendre. We blow the dust off and it gets on other things, but many of us are just blowing God off. God wants to meet with us. God wants to deal with us. God wants to actually, when he deals with us, he heals us. God wants to begin to mold us and shape us to grow us. And because we keep blowing him off, because we keep putting our, our progress and, and, and our relationship with God off, we wonder why every nook, cranny, pocket, corner, and crevice of our soul is dusty. It's dusty. I'm here to tell you, you've got to let God dig today. You've got to let God suck that dust out today. You've got, to, you've got to actually wade in to what he's doing today. Can I tell you right now, and I posted this on Facebook earlier, but it's just, I couldn't wait to get it out because the Holy Spirit was just speaking to me. Many of us waste today's grace on tomorrow's problems. Many of us waste the grace we've been given today on tomorrow's anxiety, on tomorrow's depression on what may or may not happen tomorrow. I read this earlier, I think it was earlier this week, and I just thought it was so profound. Uh, This author said this, he said, anxiety is simply imagining a future that doesn't involve Jesus. Anxiety is imagining a future. It's living in a future in your head that is void of Jesus, that when you get there, he won't be there, that doesn't factor him in. And many of us, we are wasting the precious grace we've been given today on the problems we aren't even facing today. Can I tell you right now, you only have grace for today's issues. You only have grace for today's issues. You only have grace for today's problems. You only have grace for today's relational tension. You only have grace for today's anxiety. Quit piling tomorrow's and next week's and next year's on top of it. You don't have grace for that yet. This is exactly why Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 34, he says, give your entire attention to what God is doing right now. Give your entire attention to what he is doing currently. And many of us, we cannot give God our entire attention because we're giving the enemy our entire attention. We're too busy sitting there. What's he doing? He's coming again. Oh my gosh. He's coming to plague me again. He's going to do it again. He's going to hit me with that again. Oh my gosh. And God says, no, no, no. Don't even pay any mind. Don't even pay any mind. He is a defanged and dethroned king. He is no longer the king of your life. He no longer has authority. He has been completely defanged and dethroned. And it's time that you look to the one who's actually been enthroned on the seat of your heart. Come on, give God your entire attention. He's worthy of it all. 
He's not worthy of a couple, thir- like a 30-minute session on a Thursday night. I'm here to tell you, God wants to encounter you. He wants to spend time with you every waking moment. Give your entire attention to what God is doing right now. I want to read this, 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 2. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 2, Paul writes this. He says, indeed, the right time, how many of you have been talking about that? I don't know if it's the right time. I don't know if it's the right time to do that. I don't know if it's the right time yet. The right time is now. The right time is right now. I'm here to tell you the right time to do the right thing is right now. The right time to do the right thing is right now. What's the right thing? Give God everything that's wrong. Give God everything that's wrong. I'm telling you, there's so many of us that push off. We delay. We, here we go. We reschedule. Oh, I'm going to get around to that. Yeah, can we reschedule? Can we, can we reschedule? Can we kind of decide to do this on another week? And I'm telling you, you are not hurting God by rescheduling. You are delaying your own healing. And notice, can we throw it back up one more time? 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 2, he says this, Today woo, is the day of salvation. Listen to this, listen to this, listen to this. So many of us apply this verse to people actually getting saved. Now you have to understand, this is, he is talking about people actually stepping over from death into life, right? Eternally, saying yes, like putting their faith in Jesus, okay? But today is the day of salvation, meaning, listen to me, listen to me, bigger than just where you will spend eternity, Bigger than where you will spend the forever. He's saying, the only things I can save you from are the things that are currently happening. I can only save you from the things that are currently plaguing you. And there are many of us, we have made ourselves a prisoner to a future that will not even happen. Will not even happen. Many of us, we serve a future. We live crippled today about a future that we will never experience. I'm here to tell you, the Bible says the steps of a righteous person, they are ordered of the Lord. I'm here to tell you, God is not going to lead you down that path. Some of us are watching a movie about how our life goes. And I'm here to tell you, that's not the movie of your life. There's not grace for your plan. There's grace for his plan. And I'm telling you, when we begin to lay those things down and we begin to give God our entire attention to what he is doing right now. And I'm telling you right now, that is permission to no longer live with your head shoved up your past. That is permission for you to no longer live with your head completely shoved up your past. You can't see what God's doing now with your head shoved up your past. Some of you, your your past will not let you live until you let your past die. You've got to let your past go. God says, I want to talk about right now. And then you botch that right now. But guess what? You got a new right now. He said, okay, I no longer want to talk about that right now. I want to talk about this right now. And so you botch that one. He's like, okay, let's talk about this right now. Give me that right now. Oh, you did that again? Okay, now we got a new right now. What's next? Right now. What's coming after this? This. What's coming after this? This. Listen to me. All you will ever have access to is right now. All you'll ever have access to is right now. And it's time that we give God our entire attention to what he's doing now. What I'm trying to say is quit blowing off what he's speaking. I just feel that, and I know that's not like super eloquent, but I really feel that for somebody. There is someone in here, maybe a couple of you, that God has been telling you some specific things. 
and you keep putting it off. You say, you say maybe next week, maybe next month, maybe next year, maybe when I know a little bit more Bible, maybe when I'm not as awkward, maybe when I have a few more things to, to talk about rather than everything I just quit doing last night. My testimony's kind of recent. Maybe when I have a few more things to, 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 to tote around and kind of parade around, I'll begin to do it. And God's saying, no, 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 no. I don't want you to wait till you can get glory. I want you to do it now so I can get the glory. I want you to begin to share that story because there's o- the only one who can get glory for that story, come on, is the one who turned it into his story. It's history. It's gone. Come on. It's time that we get in to the nitty gritty of what God is doing right now. Spent way too much time on this point, but I want you to get it. We've got to let God, what I'm trying to say is we can't blow it off. We've got to let God dig it out. When it comes to the dust that's collecting in our heart, when it comes to the things that that are going on in our soul, we've got to let God actually dig it out. And I've been thinking about this for a minute. One of the things I think I've been thinking about is just not wasting the grace of a day. The grace of a day. What grace do I have today? I'm grace for the tensions I have today. And God just began to speak to me, and he took me back to a pretty familiar passage. And it's familiar for me. It may not be familiar for a lot of you, but if you've been at Young Adults for any length of time, you're more than likely familiar with this passage of Scripture. And he began to take me back to Genesis 26. Genesis 26. Now, before we throw it up, before we throw it up, I want to set the scene for you. We've got two guys, um, and one of them is dead at this point. We've got Abraham and we've got Isaac, okay? And if you're not familiar with those figures, let me just tell you, they're a pretty big deal, okay? Um, God often calls himself the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Abraham and Isaac are people God likes being associated with, okay? They're pretty big deals in the scriptures. And all of a sudden we see here that this guy, Isaac, begins to pop into the narrative. And I really feel like this scripture, this passage of scripture, actually it's really just one verse, is what I'm calling the dust buster for your faith. Calling this passage the dust buster for your faith. Let's turn there. Genesis 26, verse 18. It says this, And Isaac, listen to me, And Isaac dug again the wells of water that had been dug in the days of Abraham, his father, which the Philistines had stopped up after the death of Abraham. And he gave them the names that his father had given them. One verse of scripture, so much to talk about. So all of a sudden, this text introduces us to this character named Isaac. It's a pretty big deal, like I told you about. If you don't know his story, he's actually got a miraculous birth. He, he wasn't born of natural means. His mom and dad were pretty daggum old <laughs> when he was born. They were like ancient. So all of a sudden, Isaac's born, and at this point in his life, we're, we're a good ways down the trail, because Abraham has died, his dad. He's the father of our faith. So Isaac's perusing around the land, right? And he comes across this well, this water well. And some of you right now, you could immediately begin to kind of like begin to disassociate. You can immediately begin to check out because I'm be willing to bet, I'd be willing to bet you did not wake up this morning, fetch a pail, throw it down a water well, and haul yourself up some water to brush your teeth and to take a shower. I'd just be willing to bet. If I was a betting man, which I'm not, praise the Lord, okay? I'd be willing to make that bet. So many of us, because water is so readily accessible to us, we can instantly begin to see this. And this is one of those scriptures that you just kind of speed read. When you're reading through your Bible in a year, you know what I mean? You get to this one, okay, cool, on to the next one. Didn't apply to me. I'm telling you, there's some stuff in here that applies to you. 
So all of a sudden we see Isaac, he comes to this well and we can begin to disassociate. But you have to understand this about a well. Wells were an integral part of a family and really an entire community. If you did not have a working well, your days, listen to me, they were numbered. And I'm here to tell you right now, I'm just make a spiritual application to you. If you are not regularly taking in the living water, I hate to break it, but your days are numbered. There's a reason the human body cannot, we don't get to choose whether or not our bodies can run off water. You've got to run off water. I'm here to tell you, your spirit, it runs on water, the living water. Who's the living water? It's Jesus. Your days are numbered, man, I'm telling you. You begin to feel that fatigue. I feel that for somebody in here tonight, you're feeling fatigued. It's, it, 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 it's not the enemy coming against you, you're just dehydrated spiritually. Somebody in here is you're dehydrated spiritually. It's time that you take in that living water. But if a family didn't have a, didn't have a well, their days were numbered. In fact, if a well got contaminated, it would literally ruin their way of making money because a well also watered your livestock and that was how you made a living, right? You couldn't make any money. So all of a sudden, Isaac comes across this well. But the other thing you have to understand about a well is that wells were hard to dig. Listen, let's just jump in our DeLorean and go back in time real quick. You, you got to remember, they don't have John Deere. They don't have like a backhoe. They didn't even, listen to me, they didn't even have modern shovels. They didn't have anything to dig this water out. So what I'm trying to get you to understand is wells were hard to dig. It literally took someone daring to get down in the dirt and one handful after one handful after one handful removed the extra and superfluous material until finally, bam, they got to that water. It took someone daring to get their hands dirty. It took someone daring to do the hard work of month after month. This was not an afternoon's worth of work having to dig through bedrock with your bare hands. But man, here's the crazy thing. Once somebody was willing to get down in the dirt and do the hard part, once they had hit that water, not only would that well water their family and community and their life, but it would water generations to come. It would provide water long after they, long after they are in the dirt, what they did whenever they were alive in the dirt could help other people. And what I'm trying to get you to see is that what you do with the dirt in your life is way bigger than you. What you allow God to do, man, I'm telling you, when you allow God to dig, it affects way more than you. It affects the people who are coming who aren't even alive yet. I'll prove it to you. John chapter four. I preached on this a couple weeks ago. You remember John chapter four, if you're familiar with your Bible, there's a famous story there. It's called Jesus and the woman at the well. So all of a sudden we find in John chapter four, Jesus is at a well. And if you read the story, Jesus and this woman are, are talking, right? And this is a scandalous conversation, by the way. They're talking. And all of a sudden the woman reveals to us what well they are at. She says, um, this is Jacob's well. And if you were to do the biblical math, if you were to go back and look at the timeline, that literally dates this specific well at the moment Jesus and this woman are having this conversation at 1,500 years old. This well in this moment, not today, in that moment was 1,500, 1,500 years old. I'm here to tell you tonight, Jesus, listen to me, Jesus was able to change a woman's life because Jacob 1,500 years ago dug a place for them to meet. I'm here to tell you, you have no idea how God will use what you allowed him to dig in your life. 
You have no idea. I know it seems meaningless. I know it's just another dirty day. I know it's just another messed up cuticle and a messed up fingernail. But I'm telling you, as you allow God to get in there and dig and dig, you quit blowing it off, but you let him dig it out. I'm telling you, you have no idea what generations are going to come and drink from your life. I know right now you are young and you're not thinking generationally, but I'm telling you, if you will begin right now to begin to think generationally, woo, there is no telling what God could do through your life. There's no telling. Man, I'm here to tell you right now, young adults is a well. We're six years in the making, but we are a well. And I don't know about you, but I'm grateful that there was a handful of us uh, six years ago who decided to start digging. And even when you weren't here, we dug Thursday after Thursday after Thursday so that one day, six years down the line, you could wander into our building and find the living water and not faint and not grow weary. But you can mount up on wings like eagles. Come on. I'm telling you, if you are drinking from a well, somebody had to dig. Somebody had to dig. And I'm telling you, when you allow God to dig in your life, when you quit putting things off, when you quit saying, I'm not good enough, I'm not anointed enough, I'm not connected enough, I'm not social enough, I'm too awkward, when you quit using those excuses. I love, Pastor Brandon preached a message a couple weeks ago, but he talked about how our excuses become our ex-uses, that God wants to use us. But when we, prevent, we, when we present excuses, our excuses become our excuses. We're no longer of service. We can't help the world around us. And what I'm trying to get you to see, I know I'm beating this to death, but it's because I'm trying to kill it, is that your life and what God is doing in you is way bigger than you. It's way bigger than you. I really wish that we could somehow get a future version of you in here to come and amen what I'm talking about. Because I promise you, the future version of you would be screaming and amening at the top of their lungs at what I'm saying. Whew, if you will take me seriously, you can have your money back if this doesn't work. <laughs> Tonight was free. <laughs> but I'm telling you, future generations are going to come and Can I just prophesy for a second? Future generations are going to come and drink from your life. God's hand is on your life. It's, it's bigger than you think. God's gonna do more than you think. It's gonna affect more people than you think. I don't know who I'm talking to right now. I don't know who's receiving this, but everything the enemy told you you can't do, that's because that's exactly what God wants to do. The enemy only ever attacks the plan of God. If he's telling you one thing, it's because the opposite is true. He says you'll never make it. That's proof you're gonna make it. He says the idea won't work. That's proof that idea is anointed. The devil only attacks the anointing. Whew. Man, I feel this tonight. I'm hoping this is setting somebody free and that you would, after tonight, not just in this moment on a Thursday night setting, but you would dare to allow God to just dig, not blow the dust off, but dig it out. So that all of a sudden, man, not only you can be refreshed, but the people in your life can be refreshed. You know, that's really what the Bible is. The Bible's a well that you and I can come and drink. We can come and drink from Moses' life because Moses, in his day, dared to let God dig. We can come and drink from Isaac's life because Isaac, in his day, dared to let God dig. He had no idea this place called America and this place called Young Adults would ever be able to benefit from that one act of obedience. You have no idea. I'm telling you right now, you have no idea the ripple effect of your yes to God. You have no idea the ripple effect of your yes to God. So all of a sudden, Isaac, 
He comes across this well, and, and things aren't good with the well, right? It's not in good shape. It's not producing, it's not producing life. Not only did this, this well not last generations, it didn't last a generation. Something's happened. So all of a sudden, Isaac comes on the well, and it's not doing what it's supposed to. It's not well. So all of a sudden, <laughs> thank you. Thank you. These are the jokes. So Isaac walks up. And things aren't looking good. And all of a sudden, listen to me, Isaac is now faced with the very same thing you are faced with right now, a decision. He's faced with a decision. Am I gonna like act like I didn't see this? <laughs> and act like, oh, yeah, I'm just gonna walk over here and act like I, I, don't, I don't know about that. Or am I gonna get real about where things are actually at? That's the decision you wake up with every single day. Am I gonna keep skirting the issue or am I actually gonna go before God and get real? Do you, I'm here to tell you right now, God will never bless your sad, pathetic version of somebody else. God didn't, God, didn't, God didn't anoint you to be a weird version of them. I don't know who your them is, but God didn't anoint you to be a weird version of them. He anointed, to be the, he anointed you to be the anointed, blessed version of you. I was talking to somebody the other day and we were talking about preachers who imitate other preachers, which there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, I think the main thing is that we get the gospel out. But the truth is, is that if you and I are the same, one of us is irrelevant. One of us isn't necessary. I'm telling you, God made you an original. Don't you dare die a carbon copy. Don't copy and paste someone else's life onto your story. Just feel the need to reiterate this, but you gotta get honest about where you actually are. So all of a sudden he gets, he gets real and what? What I want you to see is that God can't change what you are unwilling to confront. God can't heal what you refuse to reveal to him. He can't. As long as you are pretending you are somewhere else, God can't bring you out of where you actually are. It's when we get real. I told you about John chapter 4, and I just want to travel back there for a moment. John chapter 4, we saw Jesus, and we got to the woman at the well part. But before that, he got to the well because he decided, as I told you a few weeks ago, to go against the cultural norm. Because the Bible said this, let's, turn, let's throw it on the screen. John chapter four, verse four. It says this, and he had to go through Samaria. It says he had to go. Now I told you a couple weeks ago, for those of you who weren't here, it wasn't that Samaria, there was only one road and it had to go through Samaria. No, the Jews had carved another route in order to avoid Samaria because they hated Samaritans. They hated them. Jews and Samaritans were at odds. They hated one another. So they would rather go the long way than go the quick way and have to interact with people they hated. But here's the problem. Jesus is walking, talking love. So he doesn't avoid Samaria like you and I do. But here's the problem. You and I avoid Samaria. And what I mean is you have a Samaria. Let's break it down. You have some area. You have some area that you don't want God to go. We've all got some area that we are hoping and praying God never peeks behind that curtain. We all have some area that we are hoping God takes the long way around. We all have some area of our life. We all have some area of our heart that we are hoping God, obviously I'm using wordplay, some area. Just don't want it to go over your head. But we all have some area of our soul that we are desperately hoping God goes around. And I'm here to tell you, God's not into cutting corners. 
God didn't start cutting corners with this woman and he's not about to start with you. He's coming right for that area that you are hoping he avoids. Every other religious person has avoided it. Guess what? God, Jesus isn't religious. I hope you understand that. Jesus is not a religious guy. Religion is man's attempt to reach God. Jesus was all about bringing God to man. Religion is man's attempt to work his way to the Lord. Jesus was like, you can't work your way to me, so I'll work my way to you. That's the message of grace. But we all have some area that we are hoping, and it's not until we get real about those areas that we can find the freedom that we need. And Jesus can bring us out and pull us out because I'm here to tell you, he is coming right for that thing. He's coming for that area. You gotta be real about where you actually are. You know, this is, if you're, if you're battling this, I want you to know you're not alone because this has actually been the human condition since the very beginning. This is what we do. When we mess up, what do we do? We hide. In fact, I'll prove it to you. In Genesis chapter three, hold on before you throw it up. In Genesis chapter three, we, we find what's called the fall. The fall happens. What happens? Eve and Adam, they bite of the forbidden fruit and their eyes are open to the dual realities, good and evil, right? And they realize that they've sinned. They've realized that they've fallen short of the glory of God. That is what sin means. And so all of a sudden, because they are ashamed, what do they do? They hide. They run and they hide. And I, lo lo I love this. Notice what God does as soon as somebody sins. He doesn't look down his nose. He goes looking. People have told you God's too holy to look upon sin. <laughs> this tells me that's the first thing he does. It's not that he can't look upon it. He actually goes looking for it. He goes looking for it. So all of a sudden, God begins to peruse the garden. And this is what we see, Genesis chapter three, verse nine. If we could throw it up. Genesis chapter three, verse nine. It says this, then the Lord called the, the, to the man and says, Adam, where are you? Uh, uh, Adam, uh, Adam, where? <laughs> where are you? Now I wanna ask you real quick, is God really unaware of where Adam's at? Like, has Adam seriously found the best hide-and-go-seek spot in the garden? No, not at all. No, you have to understand, you have to understand, when God asks you a question, it's never to bring him the insight. It's always to bring you some insight. You see, God, listen to me, God was not ignorant of where Adam was at. God needed Adam to admit where he was at. Because listen to me, and I hope this pokes you like it pokes me when I think about it. God can't bring you out of somewhere you won't admit you are. God cannot bring you out. God is not into taking hostages. He's not into hostages. I know that's what religion taught you, that God will take you hostage. We, we use the word surrender, which I, I understand the connotation, but it also has a negative connotation that God's kind of, surrender is a war term. In fact, actually, you never find in scripture the word surrender used. That's not, a, that's not a biblical word. I'm not saying that we need to stop singing songs about surrender and stuff like that, but that's actually not the, that's not the connotation. It's not that God comes and, I finally surrender. No, it's that we're finally convinced. Our mind has changed. That's what repentance means. And I'm telling you, God cannot bring you out of somewhere you are pretending you don't live. It's time you send him your real address. It's time you invite, it's time you give him coordinates to the shack. It's time you give him coordinates to the shack. That place that you live. That place that has actually held you hostage. That place that you've taken residence. 
I'm here to tell you, your past is not a place of residence. It's a place of reference. Your past is not a place of residence. You're not called to check into the holiday inn of your past. And it's time to get real so that the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords can check you out of there and get you to the, get you to the place that he's called you to go. It's time that we get real about where things are actually at. We get real about the mold that is growing on the inside of us. We get real about the dust that is collected in our soul. So all of a sudden, Isaac, he gets real about the well. And the next thing you got to do, you got to get this. This is step number two. Is you've got to recognize what is, listen to this, really the problem. You've got to recognize what is really the problem. Because, and the reason I throw that word really in there is because a lot of us are good at presenting a problem while we still skirt and puppy dog guard and hide the problem. Like we come into church and we have that one thing, that one problem that is kind of like socially acceptable to deal with. Like it's for real. So we say, I need prayer for this. When that's actually just the symptom, God wants to address the disease. And so many of the, that's why so many people come into church and they leave the exact same way they were is because religion can only treat the symptom. Religion is all about behavior modification. Religion is all about don't cuss, smoke, or chew, or go out with girls who do, okay? That is all religion, that's all religion can provide, it's some barriers. And God says, I didn't come to bring a barrier. I came to bring a sword, a scalpel that cuts and it removes the cancer. It removes the tumor. It brings you back to life. Come on, we got to get real about what's really the problem. Got to come before God. And here's the kicker. He already knows. Like, you know that, right? Like, he already knows what you're going through. You're, you're not going to surprise him. I know you may surprise yourself, but you've never surprised God. You've never surprised him a day in your life. And I'm here to tell you tonight, you weren't holding him up, so you can't let him down. Come on, aren't you grateful Jaira gave us that, gave, Jaira gave us that line. You weren't holding him up, so you could never let him down. You think you're that big and you're, you're that bad? You think you're that creative at sinning? You think you're that creative that God's never seen your flavor of sin before? Oh my gosh, you are so depra depraved. I have never seen anyone stoop so low. No. God says, man, I'm, I'm, I'm there for you. I'm ready to pull you out. I'm ready to take you higher. I'm ready, to, I'm ready to get you on that straight and narrow path and order your steps. Because guess what? If you'll come to him, you're now a righteous person. It's his righteousness. You got to recognize what is really the problem. And see, it would have been easy. Listen to me. I hope, I, I hope you're still with me. I hope you're still with me. We're, we're going to be winding down here in a second. Isaac could have come up here and been like, Oh, well, like, I guess, I guess this well just dried up of natural causes. Like, I guess God just doesn't want this well to produce anything. God, who am I to stand in your way? Have your way. No. And that's what many of us do. We come up to pockets of our life that seem closed, that seem dead, and they seem dormant. And we pull the sovereignty of God card that says, if God wanted life here, there would be life. No. This is why Deuteronomy says, I've placed before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Choose life. We got to choose it. We got to be a willing participant. And so many of us, we come up to those dead, decaying, nasty, toxic parts of ourselves and say, this must be what God wants it to be. Instead of realizing that the enemy knows that your destiny is on the other side. And that's why he slammed his foot in the door and won't let you through. And I'm here to tell you, God has given you the authority to dismantle that door. 
God has given you the authority to dismantle that door. I'm here to tell you, you have license to move in. You have license to move in. You have license to take up residence in in the place that God has written your name on. I don't know who needs to hear that, but quit living a bottom of the gutter life. When God, when Jesus paid, he paid for you to live an abundant life. That's what John 10, 10 tells us. I've come that you may have life and life more abundantly. Come that you may have life more abundantly. We gotta recognize where we, what's really the problem. I want you to turn over here real quick. Genesis, or excuse me, Genesis chapter two, and I want you to put your finger there. Genesis chapter two, I'm about to go there. But you see, all of a sudden, the reason this well was stopped up, we're gonna get to Genesis chapter two there. The reason this well was stopped up is not because it dried up of natural causes, but as we read a moment ago, the Philistines, the enemy, which you, the Philistines, good guys or bad guys? Bad guys. Bad, guys. bad. yeah. Not good. So all of a sudden we see that the Philistines have come up and day after day, they have walked by this well and they have stealthily, while no one was looking, dropped handfuls of dirt down in this well. One handful at a time, just walk by the well and woo no one's looking. And listen to me, listen to me, listen to me. There are some of you, your well has been dirtier longer than you realize. The enemy has stealthily and daily, when you weren't looking, come by and dropped a little bit of dirt. The enemy knows that if he dumped it all at once, you'd you'd, you'd pick up on it. He's way craftier than that. It's time that we recognize what's going on. What I'm trying to get you to understand is that your Monday through Saturday matters. I can't fix everything in a 45-minute message. What you do Monday through Saturday, it matters. And I'm here to tell you, not only do you need to pay attention to the voices in your head, but you need to be paying attention to the voices in your headphones. The voices in your headphones can begin to pollute your well a lot quicker than you think. Some of you think that music isn't affecting you. I'm here to tell you, it's affecting you. Some of you, can I just go here? Some of you think those, those media outlets, they're, they're, you think they're not affecting you, you think you're just trying to stay up to date. It's affecting you. It's polluting your well. The Bible, listen to me, refers to your eyes and your ears as gates. They're doors. Where do they lead? Your heart. Your heart. And Proverbs tells us that everything we do flows from that heart place. I'm telling you, you gotta be, listen to this, you need to be mindful of what your mind is full of. You need to be mindful about the things that are on your mind. You need to think about what you think about. And it's as we begin to get real and it's as we begin to let the facade die and it's as we actually give God the coordinates to the shack and he begins to meet us there and begins to bring us out that all of a sudden, whoo, we no longer have to be satisfied by dirty water. And that is what I'm trying to say. Some of us, you don't even realize it, but you've been living off dirty water for some time. And that's the problem you don't even notice anymore. You don't even notice that it tastes weird. You think this is normal. You think this is normal Christianity. You think this is how it's supposed to be. You think maybe your relationship with God isn't working because you're not actually drinking the pure living water. The enemy has come in moment after moment, day after day, and began to pollute what God is trying to do in you. Have you ever walked into a room that smelled bad? 
and you spent some time in there. Maybe you went over to a friend's house and it was like, oh, this is weird, you know. But all of a sudden, like, you can't leave because it smells bad. Like, you're over there. They invite you over. But all of a sudden, you hang out. Like, maybe, like, you went into a house where somebody had smoked for a really long time. And you walk in there, and you're like, whoa, somebody was smoking in here. And then you sit there for a little while, and you talk, and you chat, and maybe have a meal. And all of a sudden, that smell that was so pungent a moment ago, you're like, is it gone? It's not that it's gone. It's that you've gotten used to it. And I think there are some of you, you recognized the dirt when it first showed up, but you didn't do anything about it. And now you're just used to it. Yeah. Now I, I'm, I'm used to San Angelo water. <laughs> I'm used to living off Naz worthy. <laughs> I'm here to tell you Naz is not worthy. <laughs> it is far, it's Naz unworthy. But there are some of us, listen to me, there are some of us, we've gotten used to living off dirty water. And what I really feel the Lord wants to do, what I really feel he wants to do is to purify the water tonight. That's what I felt in my heart. I've preached this passage before, but I felt like God wanted to come and take some of the dust off of it for you. I feel like a lot of times when it comes to sermons and stuff, we can think it's a one and done thing. I've already heard that. I've already gone. Well, maybe it's time to revisit. Maybe it's time to let the well be, be cleaned afresh. Maybe it's time to address some things because maybe after that message, you got it right. But then all of a sudden, the enemy came by again and you didn't recognize him again. And there are some of you, you know exactly what it is that's polluting your well. You know exactly what it is. And here's the thing. This is why I told you to go to Genesis chapter two. I was thinking about this. And the Bible says this, that God made man out of what? Dirt. Sometimes, listen to me, let's read it. I'll give you credence for it. Genesis chapter two, verse seven. God formed man out of the dirt and from the ground and he blew into his nostrils. Whoo, the breath of life. Listen to me, you and I are made of dirt and the number one dirt, the number one type of dirt the enemy will try to fill your well with is you. The number one dirt the enemy will try to fill your well with is you. The enemy will come by and all of a sudden you go to church and after you leave, the enemy will sprinkle a little bit of you in the mix. You're like, God, I feel you. You're speaking to me. I know I can, I can do anything through Christ who strengthens me. I know I can go the distance. I know I can be what you've called me to be. And the enemy goes, really? You? You know where you, you come from Odessa. <laughs> Sorry, Caitlin. You come from Grape Creek. Let's go there. You come from San Angelo. We'll just spend, make even, even the playing field. But that's what the enemy does. He reminds you of where you're from. And listen to me. Listen to me. Listen to me. God is not taking you where you're from. He's taking you where he's called you to go. He's taking you where he's called you to go. And the more we allow the enemy just to sprinkle our insecurity, begin to sprinkle our inadequacies, begin to sprinkle our history into the mix, no wonder we can't live off the pure water that is Jesus. I feel the Lord saying, I want to purify the water tonight. And what I want you to understand is it is not your job to purify the water. It's not your job. And that's what some, so many of you have thought, that I can only have pure water once I'm pure. I can only have pure water once I'm pure. And I'm telling you, the pure water comes from the pure one. And guess what? Pure water is needed where impurity is found. Pure water is needed 
where impurity is found. And this is where I want to land the plane. Can I have somebody, Cody, you want to come play behind me? Make me sound spiritual. That would be great. Sermon's brought to you by Cody. <laughs> Thanks, Cody. But this is where I want to wind the plane down because many of you could think, man, Keenan, that is exactly me. My well's dirty, and some of our wells are dirtier than others, but it doesn't matter the severity. Dirt's dirt. Impure is impure. And I'm telling you, God wants to meet you exactly where you're at tonight. And some of you could be thinking, Keenan, that's me. And I can't, I don't know where to start. How the heck do I dig that well? I didn't even realize there was dirt in my well. How the heck do I dig it out? What the heck am I supposed to do? Where do I start? There's too many places that are coated in this crap. Where do I start dusting? I don't even know where to begin. And what I want you to understand is that's not your job. You see, we look at this story, and we've got Abraham, a father, who digs a well. Notice this. Abraham, a father, digs a well. What happens? An enemy comes in and pollutes it. So what's the answer to the polluted well? A son has to get down in the well and get his hands dirty because a well can't clean itself. A son has to come to the well the father began, get down in it and get his hands dirty so that the well can become clean. I don't know if you're picking up what I'm putting down, but this is the gospel. This is a mirror image of what Jesus came to do. I'm here to tell you, you're, you are the well tonight. Your heart is the well. And listen to me, God holds the patent for your life. He made you. You bear his image. It's imprinted on your heart. But what happened is the enemy came in, like I said, in Genesis chapter three and polluted all of our wells. So the answer was that the son, the only son, Isaac is the only son. And he comes in, he comes down, he gets down. Jesus vacated heaven to come to our broken planet. And he gets down in the well and he gets dirty so that the well can become clean. I'm telling you, Jesus wants to wade neck deep in the, the, into the dirt of your life. Jesus says, I'll get dirty so you can become clean. This is the great exchange. This is the gospel that I will give you my righteousness in exchange for your unrighteousness. I'll give you my seat with the Father for your seat in the gutter. Jesus says, let me trade places with you. I'll get dirty so you can be clean. I want you to see this, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 19. 2 Corinthians 5, 19 says, or excuse me, 5, 21. It says this, for our sake, he made him to be sin, who knew no sin. Jesus never sinned. He was completely pure, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. I'm here to tell you tonight, your new name, listen to me, your, listen to me, listen to me. This is not just Bible stuff. This is not just stuff you're supposed to yell over a microphone. This is the freaking truth. Your new name is the righteousness of God. In the middle of the porn addiction, in the middle of running to him and running to her and running to a new person over and over and over, I don't care what your body count is. I don't care what substance traces of it might still be in your system. You have a new label and that's what it says. It says Isaac restored the names that his father Abraham had given them. He says, I'm not gonna call this well by how dirty it was. I'm gonna call it by the destiny. 
I'm going to call it by its destiny. I'm here to tell you, you're not labeled by what you've been through. You're labeled by the one who came to. He came all the way to you. And he says, will you let me get my hands dirty so that I can make you clean tonight? And if you're saying, Kenan, I'm tired of blowing it off. I'm tired of pushing it back. And I'm ready to say yes to the hands of Jesus, the only hands that can actually purify my heart. If you would say, Kenan, that's me, or maybe it's you for the first time in a long time. When I count to three here in a moment, with every head bowed and every eye closed, every head bowed and every eye closed, I just want to give you a moment to say yes to the free gift of righteousness, to the free gift of grace and love that only Jesus can bring. You can't do it in and of yourself. I told you a well can't clean itself. Somebody's got to get down in there and clean it for you. And I'm telling you, man, if, you would, if you'd like that moment, if you'd like Jesus to enter in and do what only he can do in your life, when I count to three, I'd just like you to shoot your hand up. One, God loves you. Two, now's your moment. Three, come on, right now. If that's you, you're saying, yes, there's dirt in my well. There's stuff in my well. I need Jesus to get up in there and do what only he can do. Yes, raise it high. Come on, don't be ashamed now. Let him in, let him in, let him in, let him in, let him in. If you'd say, Keenan, that's me. Come on, one more time, one more time. If that's you, if that's you, I just want you to raise your hand. Well, I'm gonna pray for you right now. Heavenly Father, Lord, I just thank you for every hand raised to heaven because that hand represents a heart that's just been yielded to you. And Lord, I thank you right now. You are jumping head first into that well and you are removing every ounce of sin, every ounce of shame, every ounce of iniquity. And Lord, I thank you that you are writing your purpose on their heart. You're writing your purpose on their soul. And Lord, I thank you that their, their place in heaven is secure from now on. Lord, I thank you that you give them a grace to lean into what you're doing right now, to quit blowing it off, to quit blowing the dust off to quit blowing your plan off and actually wade head first wade head first into what you want to do today Lord I just thank you I call every person under the sound of my voice blessed and we thank you for it right now come on it's in the mighty name of Jesus I pray and everybody said come on amen let's put our hands together for Jesus come on what he did in these hearts